Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. Sad people think sad things. Mean people think mean things. The, way, the reason people are the way they are is because of the way they think. When a person wakes up in a bad mood, they don't wake up feeling a certain way. They, they wake up thinking a certain way concerning how their body feels. And it just gets worse. He says, now watch this, now next to them, next to them, we compared ourselves to them, and then based on the comparison and our thinking, we felt small. And I'm going to tell you something right now. What the enemy does, the enemy will, will, will keep stuff stirring because he needs you to feel smaller than you are. He needs you to feel that God could have picked somebody better than you. He, he wants you to miss the opportunity. I'm going to tell you if you ever, ever experienced this. And then once the opportunity passes, he will tell you how stupid you were for letting the opportunity pass. Ever happened to you? That's not how the enemy plays the game. Everything, you cannot live your life on feelings. Feelings lie. They lie. Matter of fact, I'm going to add this to the pot. Physiologically, when your body is off, if you're not drinking enough water, not getting enough sleep, if if you're not, if 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 you may be overweight, you may be, whatever is going on with you, something could be off physically in your body. And that, and the way you think about that, that your attitude to is that, can, can generate feelings that are not real. You understand that? I never in my life has, have ever succeeded at anything measuring by feelings. Nine times out of ten, when God gave me the victory, I felt like I was going to lose. But what I learned to do was to manage my feelings with my faith. I understood, watch this now, I understood that if I'm feeling bad about it, then my thinking is off. If my thinking is off, i got to get to the Word. And even if the, if the Word does not automatically adjust my, my uh, feelings, it is gradually adjusting my thinking. And if my thinking gets right, that means I could pray right. And I could pray through. The Bible says Jesus began to be very sorrowful when he thought about what he had to go through. But he went anyway in Gethsemane and he prayed his way through feeling bad. He was feeling bad, but he prayed his way through. So what has to happen to you is, no matter how you feel about the situation, always be honest with God about how you're feeling, but don't depend on how you feel. Some of you think the feeling is a a spiritual gift. There's no way in the Bible that that your spiritual gift has anything to do with your feeling. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this to you, those of you who have a prophetic motivation, I want to help you out. Do you know that the Bible says concerning the spirit of prophecy that was on Jesus, that he did not judge by by the seeing of the eye? If your prophetic gift operates by what you see, it's not pure. It's not pure. Now, I'm not a prophet, but, but I've raised prophets, and oh, I operate from time to time in the word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And I, I was in Birmingham on Friday night. I was praying for a young lady, and I, I, I know her. I know her personally, and, but when I put my hand on her, the word covering came to mind. I thought to myself, well, it can't be that because I don't know her. I mean... 
but I couldn't get rid of the word. Then it was covering. Then there was a word woman. There was, God, a word of knowledge is a word. God will give you words. And when you start to operate on those words in faith, not how you feel, you start speaking in faith how you, uh, uh, what, what you heard, then God will give you more. You see how it works? Now, when it comes to transition, there will be parts of the journey where you feel like you're in danger, but you're not. There will be other parts of the journey where you feel safe enough to just throw off all caution, but you're not safe. So you cannot depend on your feelings. Sometimes you feel like if they turn you down for this loan, there's, no, there's nothing that you be, but you're wrong. Sometimes you feel like if this person leaves in the middle of the work, the work can't be finished. You're wrong again. You cannot go by how you feel. You can't measure the work by how you feel about people. Is this up in you? Is this just too... You got it? So it says, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought, too. I could spend some more time on that, but I, I want to address this. That's how... That's what they thought to say that. That's what they thought. Say it one more time. So she walk into a room, she's like, you walk into a room, and she's just looking at you. And you know what you say to yourself? I know what she's thinking. She don't like me. What about it? You looked in the mirror, and you had that one strand of hair that won't behave. And no matter what you, how you spritz it, what you do, it just keeps flipping back. And so you just say, well, I just wear it like a style. So you walk in the room, and somebody's looking at you, and you go, I know what they're looking at. I know exactly what they're thinking. They're thinking that piece of hair is sticking up. What you don't know is they didn't even notice the hair. What they were really looking at, it was like, man, that's a nice outfit. Most time, this hater mentality, it, the, 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 the battle is really in your mind. You don't know what people are thinking. There's no way God did not give us that gift. You don't have that gift. I know what they're thinking. No, you don't. The Bible says, Jesus knows their thoughts. You're not Jesus. <laughs> and most of the time, we will create a whole narrative, this whole story in our minds about how people don't like us and how they're treating us. And it's not even them, it's us. Look at this. You don't walk in the room. You saw her seeing you. You ain't got to your seat yet. You got a whole narrative in your head. Mm-hmm. She don't like me, but it's okay. You over there talking, you, you stare her down. And she looking at you. And, you, and here's what you're thinking. I know you don't, like what, you don't like me, but I don't like you either. She's thinking, I know her from somewhere. Where do I know her from? And then you over here saying, look at her staring at me. You tap your friend. You say, look over there. You, you hear what you say. Don't, don't turn your head. Don't turn your head. Just see that lady over there in the green? She's just been staring at me from the time I walked in. She don't like me. And the lady over here saying to her friend, I know that lady from somewhere. I, she looked like a friend of mine. And you go, uh-huh. They're talking bad about me, but they don't know me. You, get, you start striking your stuff. You walk on. Looking for God crazy. You're looking for crazy. You are carrying, you're crazy. You're carrying a whole conversation in your head. You said, folk crazy, but they got the wrong one. <laughs> you, you in this schizophrenic battle with yourself because you think you know what they were thinking. You know what they were thinking? The Bible tells us. What they were thinking was, these are the people that God brought through the Red Sea as dry land. And these are the people that God killed Pharaoh and his army over. You must understand, Pharaoh and his army were some little rinky-dink operation. That was the superpower army of the day. 
They were ruling the world. And God swallowed them up, swallowed them up in the Red Sea. And news got as far as where the sons of Anak lived. And when they, if they were looking at them some kind of way, it wasn't that they were thinking, we big and you small. They're thinking, oh my God, is this a fight? Is it going to happen? What's going to happen? Where's their God? What does he look like? They weren't thinking about you. How many times have you messed up what could have been a possible connection thinking you know what folk thought about you? Can I say this to you? Everyone with a knife is not an assailant. And everyone that stabs you is not an enemy. Let me help you out. Do you know the difference between a murderer with a knife and a surgeon? Intent. I've been cut more by doctors than I have in fights with knives. Intent. I was a kid. I have a scar that I wear. Something happened. My parents, I had a growth on my hand. My parents didn't know what it was. And I remember as a five-year-old being wheeled into the operating room naked. And I wear the scar to this day. The person that scarred me wasn't trying to harm me. They were going after something that was growing in me, that they were trained. The problem with you is that you always, you cannot, in your transition, take nothing for granted. I'm going to tell you something where I learned in my transition. You know what happened to me in my transition? As when I was moving through life, doing the things that God called me to do, enemies became friends. Because there's two ways that God deals with your enemies. You say, I want God to kill my enemies. But what about if God converts your enemies to friends? God can convert your enemies to friends. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I've, in my life, some of the, I, 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 I want to give him honor. Uh, I used to have this young man, his name was Fonzie. In, in, the, in the islands, we lived east, they lived west. And the east and the west, that's the original turf war for me. It was the east against the west. Basketball, whatever we did, schools, we just didn't like each other. We didn't even look alike. Same, talk to like, they look alike. And, and uh, we, I would meet Fonzie and his brothers at church, and my brothers and uh, I, we would, we would face down with them, whatever we saw. Well, when I was homeless in Miami, I, you probably have heard me tell the story, I was homeless in Miami, and I'm walking down the street wondering what am I going to do? I'm not saved, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a still a thug. And, I'm, and I looked up, and it was, I saw this guy come, and I'm thinking, I'm preparing myself to fight. It's just me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out like no punk. And I come, and I saw this guy, and I was like, I know this dude. And he, we stopped, we looked at each other, he goes, huh? I go, Fonz? Man, we ran and hugged each other like, he said, man, what you doing here, man? And so we have this conversation, watch this. We were enemies. <laughs> but we both was in a foreign place. We were in a foreign place. And he said, what are you doing? I said, man, I, I told him the story about, I said, man, I got in a fight with my girlfriend's aunt. They put me out. He said, you got nowhere to live? He said, dude, I'm looking for a roommate. Me and Fonz became roommates. And when we were riding home telling people, like, I said, guess, he was like, guess who my roommate is? But they saw pictures of us back then. It was Polaroids. When they saw a Polaroid picture of us, they, they were like, what? We were enemies. But that dude saved my life. More times than one. There were times when I couldn't find a job. He was working. I get up in the morning to go look for a job. Oh my God, I got no money. I come out. A note is on the on the on the dresser. Hey, heart. Um, I don't have any money. Here's some money for some bus and some lunch. Uh, for the bus and some lunch. I hope I hope all is well. We he became my dude. Sometimes, suppose I'd met him and go. 
Oh, I know what he's thinking. He's going to pick up where we left off. You can't, you can't live like that. All this right here is birthed in your insecurity. It has nothing to do with the people you're dealing with. It has to do with you. If you think you are not enough, if you think, if you're carrying that thought in your mind and someone says it to you, you, your reaction will be stronger, not because you disagree with them, but because you're thinking the same thing yourself. Listen to what I just said. Nine times out of ten, our, re- our very strong and overt reaction to what people say and do to us is not that they said it, it's that we think it too. And often we get ourselves in trouble projecting. We, can't, we have this entire narrative playing in our heads as if we know what people think and what they want. She just wanted to wrong me. She was wrong. You know, you know what's crazy? Uh, here's the crazy part. There's not a member that God has ever put under my care that I don't love. Not one. Haven't in all these years. My wife said to me, she said, um, Recently, she was, we were talking about something, and she, she, said, Man, she said, is that bothering you? And, and I said, well, no, it's not really. But she could tell it did, because what happens to me is when God gives me people, I carry them. But if you talk to something, he just out there trying to do You know, that's their story. And when you're in transition, the narrative that's in your heart and your head is very important. You have to be clear. You can't, don't, sometimes the Lord will say, go talk to that person. That's the person, that is the person with your, with your that's your connection. Find a scripture with the, the man with the, with the picture in his hand. I want to show him something real quickly. So, so watch this. So you, you, you're, you're going to a bank, you need some money, you have no credit, or you have a low credit score, you don't know what to do, and, and it's on your heart to go to the bank, and you come in and you look over, and the guy sitting at the desk looks mean. And so you're waiting in line. Tell me if you don't do this. You're scoping the, the different people to see who looks the nicest. How many of you do that? You try, you look, because in your mind, you think that you can discern who will do you the best. And it seems like as soon as you try to go to this one, someone gets in front of you. And you go, I'm going to stay away for that person because they just seem nice. But the, the person that keeps being open is the one that God wants to send you to. Why? Because although they may look mean... That's the person that God has pointed out or appointed for you to connect with. Why? Because God has already dealt with them about you. They may not be called to anybody else. They may not be nice to anybody else, but they're going to be nice to you. Why? Because God put it in their heart. You don't know what they're thinking. Stop doing that. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. We got something to say. Listen. Did you know that there is power in your words? Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Available now at all digital outlets. Let's go! Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. 
Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Tell your neighbor, stop doing that. Now now, now that I told you to say stop doing that, how many of you do that? (laughs) Stop doing that. Luke 22 and 10. Put it up here for me. Luke 22 and 10. I want to show you this scripture. Um, go back to verse 9. Because the, the, um, the disciples came to Jesus and here's what they said. Where do you want us to prepare the Passover? That's what they were talking about. And in verse 10, here's what Jesus said. As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, verse 11, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Now, you have to understand this. So Jesus told him, he said, now, you know what's significant about a man with a pitcher in his hand is back in those days, only the women carried water. So to see a man with a pitcher, in, a pitcher of water in his hand was a, was a sight. Men didn't do that. So Jesus said, you're going to see something strange. When you come into the city, you're going to know who your connection is because he's going to be the dude carrying the pitcher of water. Now, get this. He didn't say anything about what the guy looked like. It made no difference what kind of person he was. The person you're looking for is the guy that's carrying the water. Follow him. Don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. Follow him. When you follow him, he's going to go in this door. You follow him and you talk to the man that's in there. That's how the Lord leads in transition. It will just come in your heart. You go in the bank. You go, you're trying to get this long. You look and, and, and just this, this person keep, keeps being available. So you go sit, sit down next to them and you say, well, um, I'm trying to put in for a loan. And they may talk to you some kind of way, but you keep on, you, you, you keep your confidence. You keep reminding yourself. And if you're an insecure person, keep telling yourself, that's just my insecurity flaring up. That's just me being insecure. You could, you could be honest. You could tell God, you know, I'm, I, I could be insecure about these things. And God's like, I, I got you. I'll work with you. So you go, you sit there, you sit there, and, and every time you feel yourself getting a little bit antsy, just tell yourself, that's you, just you being insecure, that's you being you, God has got me. And you'll be surprised. God, I, I, I have signed $9 million deals. My insecurity going out. The, I remember flipping a pen in my hand. They, flip, they, they push the contract to me, and I'm flipping the pen in my hand, waiting for the Lord to say, don't sign it. Because that's $9 million. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, suppose I sign this loan and we can't pay it. Suppose I start, all kinds of stuff came up in my head. I mean, suppose these people playing a game, suppose the interest rate does go up. And I'm sitting there and everybody in the room is with me and she says, everything okay? I said, yeah. I'm flipping the pen. She said, you want some water? I said, no. Flipping the pen. Then my sister said, what are you waiting for? I said, I'm waiting for the Lord to stop me. 
took a deep breath. I sat back, flipped through the contract, and I signed. And after I signed it, the peace of God came down on me. And the Lord says, I've got you. This is what you're supposed to do. We went back out to the helicopter, and we flew all the way back in silence. I said nothing. I came back. I thought to myself, here's what I told the Lord. You could have found a better person to do this. That's what I told the Lord. And here's what the Lord says. You always recognize the element of impossibility in the situation, and you always trust me. Don't stop doing that. When you become insecure, don't blame people. Acknowledge yourself. Acknowledge that I am unsure about me. I'm not unsure about what I'm doing. I'm unsure about me because my track record is I know how to, I can mess stuff up, stuff I've messed up in the past. And you tell, start telling the Lord, Lord, I have to, I'm leaning on you because I know me. You got it? Go to Joshua chapter 1. I'm almost done. Is this helping anybody? Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. And then we'll be, we'll be done. I want to show you this. So Moses, of course, Moses is dead. And, and Joshua has to lead. The first time now that God ever speaks to Joshua, the first thing that God says to Joshua directly is, Moses, my servant, is dead. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you. The time has come for you. Everyone say, the time has come for me. Yeah. He said, time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, according to, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. Verse, verse 3. I promise you that what I promised Moses, whatever you set foot, or wherever rather you set your foot, you will be on the land I've given you. Verse 4. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. Look at the next verse. He says, here's what I need from you. You got to be strong. What's the next word? And what? By definition... When God says to him, I need you to have courage, you know what God is telling him? There will be moments and there will be situations where you're going to be in over your head. There will be cause for alarm. There are some things that will scare you. Courage is not the absence of fear. What God says to Joshua is, I need you to implement a fear management system. You need a fear management system. What do you do when you become afraid? God says, work on that now. He says, because I need you not just to, I need you to be brave. I need you to be brave. I need you to be courageous. I need you to be able to look potential death in the eye and say, we're doing it anyway. I need you to be able to say, you know what? I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going forward anyway. Transition, at some parts of your transition, you can't stop. If you're walking a tightrope, you can't stop in the middle. What makes it doable, what makes it doable is your momentum. You got to walk. You got to keep walking. Put, put one foot in front of the other. You got to keep doing it. And you can't look down. If you're afraid of heights, you can't look down. Got to keep your eye in front of you. That's the, the rule. The rule for walking a tightrope is you have to have a balancing stick and keep your eyes forward. You got it? You cannot be playing games with, with the enemies or the potential for danger around. He said, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people uh, to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I will give them. Look at verse 7. He says, be... Then he adds now an adjective. He said, be very courageous. In other words, be strong, but I really, really need you to work on that fear management plan. 
Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Turn either to the left or to the right, rather, or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8. He says, study the book of, of, of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you obey everything written in it. Go to verse 9. He says, this is my command. Read a command. And he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to say this to you, Greg, I need you. Let me tell you this real fast. Here's what you need to do in transition, especially those of you who are going into something new, a new job, a new place to live, whatever. If you're in transition, you're watching me by stream, I want to help you out. God went before you to prepare the way. You got to trust and believe that when you show up in that new location, that God has already paved the way. He's already, he's already dealt with the rough places. He already, he already knows what he's going to do. So, Pastor, you don't know my situation. No, I don't, but I know the Lord. I'm not from Alabama. I was born in St. Kitts, West Indies. I was raised in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. I moved to Miami, Florida in 1979, um, the day that my oldest son was born. I, I, I came for my son to be born. And my life has been one series of transitions after the next. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. If God is going to move you forward in any way, you have to change. What was the last thing I said? You have to, you, you got to be good with it. Can I ask you this question that just came in my heart? What are you holding on to that you're afraid to let it die so something else could live? One part of transition is loss. You have to lose something to gain something. What are you holding on to that needs to, needs to be put to bed, put to rest, so you can go to the next thing? And why are you, what are you afraid of? You think God brought you this far? After all these years of keeping you, he brought you this far to just put you down on the side of the road? You think money is your God? You think your business is your identity? The same God that picked you out and chose you for what you have been doing has picked you and chosen you for something else. And I'm going to say this to you right now. Listen, you know, don't get caught up with, don't get bogged down with little stuff and little people. They, they're going, they abound. Regular common folk, they're bound. Just ignore them. You brush them off. You, you just keep going forward. Because I'm going to tell you what this is about, especially for the younger people. Let me tell you something. I've never seen anything like what's coming down the pike for your generation. People in my generation got away with pretending. You guys can't. What you have coming down the pike, what's, what's happening now is just a setup for what's coming. May the Lord give you grace. May the gifting of the Holy Spirit be so profound and pronounced in you that not only you're willing to live for God, but you're willing to die for Him. In the name of Jesus, I speak it over your life. Did you get blessed tonight? Oh, this is good. Is there anybody that has a, have a, a transit, an imminent transition in your future? You're about to, you, there's a transition, there's a transition. 
listen to me. I, I want to I say to you, I don't know how you're transitioning, where you're transitioning, but, but lift your hands up. If you, if you have an, just the ones who have an imminent transition, no, I'm going to pray for everyone else afterwards, but if you have an imminent means that there's nothing in between, it's like you're about to transition and it's happening now. The, the most important thing to know is how, Elaine, how deeply you're loved. How deeply, you, you can't measure it. Some of you say, well, God hasn't done a whole lot up to this point. He's been saving so much for this season. You remember you were praying for things to happen. He said, God, why won't it happen? You didn't know God was saving up. He was holding back your harvest for now. Hands are lifted. You're in a season of transition. You need three things. Your surrender. Surrender is a hard thing to do when you think you've got some fight left in you. So you make it easy. You say, God, your kingdom comes first. Sit sit down at your mouth. Say, your kingdom comes first. Yeah. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The righteousness that comes from God is not like the righteousness of man. That's the first thing. The second thing you need is wisdom. Say, God, I seek your wisdom. Say that loud. Yeah. And then say, say, I submit to the leading of your spirit. Those three things are so important. I don't know who you are. I don't know what's happening in your transition. You said, Pastor, I need resources. More than that, favor is more important than finances. So say, Ariyama, say, Lord, I receive uncommon favor at the most critical times. You open doors for me that no man can close. And you close doors that no man can open. Yeah. Those of you who, who you said, Pastor, I'm going through this transition. I want to bless you. Father, thank you for those that who are shifting and moving now. Their lives are, are, are shutting one season down, going to the next. Thank you, Father, for the grace that's in Jesus Christ, for the truth that's in Christ, for provision and for protection, for favor and family and friends. For the finances when necessary. For supernatural faith. I declare in Jesus' name that their file, if it's on a desk, it's moved to the top. I speak over their lives and I say that apartments and houses and whatever is necessary become available. That they find favor with all manner of leadership where they're going. Thank you, Lord God. We believe, Lord, that prayerfulness and prayerlessness can't have the same results. So because we pray, we know things are shifting now. And we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.